Andy Bush here, welcome to uh, the latest and slightly unusual episode of Bush's Board Game Thing, because it's just me on my own. It's just me on my own in the top room of our house upstairs, uh, talking into a computer uh, with a, just a, a cup of tea on the go. I feel like I'm recording my memoirs or something like that, or I'm doing like a weekly uh, horoscope, that kind of thing. Why am I on my own? Uh, because we're having a two-week break. Well, J- Brian and Jess are having a two-week break. I don't want to throw them under the bus here, but they're both quite keen on having a little rest, putting their feet up, which is absolutely fine. But I want to soldier on, because I've got you guys in mind, do you know what I mean? But don't tell them I said that. Um, uh, so, yeah, what I thought I would do, we've had so many people get in touch uh, asking for recommendations of good board games to play on your own. That I thought I'm into this. Let me let me take the uh, wheel, hold the fort a little bit whilst those guys are off, and we could do a special on single-player board games. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, what, "What on earth is that? What on earth is a single-player board game? Why would you, in a million years, want to play a board game on your own?" Isn't the whole point of board games, uh, and in fact, the ethos of board game thing. Uh, like we keep going on about is meeting up together and talking and stuff like that and sharing experiences it is i would say the main you know the the board game started out with meeting up around a table etc let's deal with the the whole pandemic thing tier four and all this lockdown and everything that's going on getting a gaming group together is pretty tough at the moment isn't it Uh, as we've experienced right the way through this uh podcast we've had to play games online online versions of games or um uh, do a thing where we've been talking through video chats. It's, you know, it's pretty difficult to have that face-to-face thing. Uh, so single-player board games are great because it means you can kind of take yourself off for half an hour to get your game in fix without having to arrange to, for other people in the house. If you, you know, it's a situation that I've got here. My other half, Katie, she plays board games every so often. I pester her quite a bit to play, but she's not usually that up for wanting to sit down and play a two-hour science fiction board game. So single-player games are a brilliant way around that. Now, the thing I'd say moreover, above and beyond that, is that, um, uh, you know, sometimes you don't want to have to hang out with other people. I quite like being on my own sometimes. You get those times where you don't want to, like, end up texting or you're in like whatsapp groups with friends and you feel bad because you're not really saying anything but you're just sick of the sound of your own voice particularly doing the job that i do where i just me yakking all the time sometimes i just want a bit of peace and quiet i mean i I, i'm sick of the sound of my own voice like i can only imagine how you guys are feeling so i find solo board games quite a good way to just have a bit of uh bit of it's like mindfulness in a little way keeps me out of trouble as well keeps me quiet for a bit i'm sure katie's happy because i'm not talking for an hour do you know what i mean so uh it's this dual purpose on one side uh dealing with the covid thing and, and just trying to keep yourself on an even keel but secondly good for your, your inner soul i think a little bit playing solo board games better than sitting there on candy crush saga uh, so over the course of this next i don't know 20 minutes half an hour just a little bite-sized episode uh, just from my own perspective some games that you can play on your own. And this might blow people's minds because, like I said, until I discovered that some board games are playable solo, I just thought it was witchcraft. Listen, and you will find that it is not witchcraft. And a lot of these games you can find, as ever, on the website of our amazing show sponsors, the lovely people at Zatu Games. So here we go. Bush's board game thing. So first thing I want to deal with is fantasy games. Let's have a look at them. By that, I mean Lord of the Rings those kind of things. Channeling, uh, what was his name? I always call him Legoland. Legolas. Is it Legolas? Legolas. Whatever his name is. The elf from Lord of the Rings. The dead cool one. I, I, in terms of what you pick for who you'd want to be in the Lord of the Rings movies, kind of says a lot about the kind of person that you are. If you're like a, 
uh, you want to be a bit of a hardy, tough guy, you might be Aragorn or that little bearded dwarf fella. But you know, if you kind of cool, sit back a little bit on the sidelines, a little bit mysterious, Legolas the Elf. Fantasy games give you that opportunity to go and do that kind of thing. Now, I mean, I grew up with like Warhammer Fantasy Battle, if you remember that back in the day, where people have like massive armies of uh, orcs and elves fighting each other. You might have had a ponytail. You might have had an all-round uh, print wolf fleece, which which is fine, and, and that's 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 your choice. It's your prerogative. However, this is this is the world of solo games, and there are a load of brilliant fantasy games out there that you can channel your inner Tolkien. Uh, in the in the comfort of your own lounge or your own bedroom study or whatever. Uh, the first one I've got to recommend is Mage Knight. It's uh, a game that's been around for quite a while now. Uh, designed by a guy who sounds like a vampire, Vladimir Shavitatal. I don't know even know how you say his surname. How do you say this right? It's got one vowel in it. C-H-V-A-T-I-L. Two, two vowels. Vladimir Shavtil. I'm sure I'm saying that terribly wrong. Please correct me at Board Game Thing if you can pronounce his name properly. The main thing about Mage Knight is it's an absolutely fantastic, different every time you play it, modular board in that the board is random every single time you play it because there's these tiles with this fantasy kingdom. And you head out there, it's just you on your own, just this kind of warrior or wizard or something, and you just encounter these uh, other races that you've got to kind of uh, win over or beat up and storm castles and kill dragons and go on adventures and stuff like that. It's kind of like um, a little bit like Dungeons and Dragons from back in the day, but it's a proper brain burner. Like, I, I, it frustrates me because a lot of people think of uh, board gaming as slightly frivolous. You know, you're mucking around. People have a weird like view of leisure, don't they? Like, we wasting your time doing that. And then they're sat there watching Netflix, like the hive mind, like everyone else's. You know, if you're creating stuff in your imagination, then that is the best possible workout for your brain. Mage Knight, uh, the card system, you've got to kind of play this sequence of cards which uses different elements uh, and think ahead. Think two or three moves ahead. If that was chess, do you know what I mean? If that was the Queen's Gambit, it'd be dead cool, wouldn't it? Kind of hanging out in some kind of Parisian hotel lobby, chatting with other fellow chess heads. But Mage Knight's got the same kind of brain power work going in. I guarantee a game of Mage Knight... You'll, you'll sleep like an absolute baby that evening because it absolutely gives you a workout. Keep an eye out for that. They've also kind of reskinned it as a uh, science fiction game, a Star Trek game called Star Trek Frontiers, which I think is currently out of print. It's very hard to get hold of, but it's basically Mage Knight, but in space, which is a great thing and kind of uh, has a load of great kind of Star Trek theme in it as well. So give that one a check out. Other fantasy notable games worth having a little look out, uh, look out for Gloom of Killforth. That's fantastic. And the Shadows of Killforth. So these are two games from the same designer, uh, Tristan Hall. I've mentioned him on this show before. He's a lovely chap. He's a very uh, approachable, nice fella. He's brilliant on, if you're an uber nerd like me and you go on Board Game Geek to get clarifications on rules and stuff like that. I don't know how on earth I get a girlfriend. Uh, he's great on there for like clarifying the rules and stuff like that. G- Gloom of Killforth is an interesting game that it's just a deck of cards, really. That's why I like it. It's got a good kind of travel element to it. But you just set these cards out on the table... It's a little bit like doing a tarot reading, and then you you flip them over. You've got to stop this kind of kingdom falling into darkness. And every turn, the cards, the location cards, flip over to their grey side, and that's the kind of creeping evil trying to push you out of the kingdom. So uh, it's really, really diff- uh, difficult, but it's different every single time you play it. So have a little look out for that. I've got to give a huge uh, notable mention as well to uh, Gloomhaven which I've sadly just sold because I bought it about two years ago with the best will in the world of, of trying to play it. 
Uh, I, I just haven't got time or I haven't got round to it. It's huge. The box of Gloomhaven's up to your knee. It's absolutely massive. Tons of content in there. And you, it's a, um, a legacy game. So we've talked about these before on a board game thing where you, uh, when you, you, you do an adventure, you put a sticker on a map and then that's that adventure done. So you're kind of creating this story, but it's like a one-hit, one-time thing. But it, it's like 40 hours to play. If you want the closest experience to playing like a video game like Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, or something like that, uh, Gloomhaven is your man. And it's getting cheaper and cheaper all the time. It's still uh, pretty pricey, mine, but when, in terms of what you get in the box, uh, it's on Zatu's website at the moment. I think it's just reduced as well. Check it out. It is epic. And the next little section of solo board games uh, I'm going to look at is survival games. I love survival games because they uh, put you in a kind of bad, nasty situation and it's asking you the question, have you got the smarts to get out of it and essentially survive? A little bit like uh, MacGyver. Uh, remember him? MacGyver, same as the A-Team back in the day on telly. Always lock these people in sheds full of like loads of different kit that they can build with. The A-Team were always locked in, in just a warehouse with loads of bits and bobs like a home bargain or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Just lock them in a, a basement with nothing in it. When will they ever learn? Anyway, some great survival solo board games out there. One of my favourite games of all time uh, is Robinson Crusoe. Uh, based on the book, they've made it into a fantastic board game by Portal Games. Uh, this is a bit, you know, mentioned Mage Knight a bit earlier on. Modular board. Sounds a bit of a nerdy phrase, but what I love about boards like that is that you shuffle them up, deal them out, flip them over, and the map is different every single time. Robinson Crusoe, a ton of different scenarios in there. Really thematic. It's kind of back in the olden days. Think 1800s. You kind of scour in this kind of idyllic but absolutely petrifying beach to look for something to eat that night and storms are rolling in. It's a fantastic game. It's like a medieval old school world version of uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway. Uh, you get, I'm sure you can draw on a football and uh, chat to it, call it Wilson, something like that as well. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm sure that's in the game. If it's not in the game, it should be. Uh, another great game uh, from a company called Themeborn, who are, are a British company, and they've just started making games over the past year or so. Uh, they've got two out. One's called Escape from the Dark Sector, and the other one is the uh, prequel to that called Escape from the Dark Castle. And this uh, channels the old fighting fantasy books from uh, Steve Jackson and Ian, Ian, Ian Livingston. These are uh, the artwork on these big cards that you flip over. Is just like the artwork used to be on uh, the Warlock of Firetop Mountain and stuff like that as well. If, if it was the art that got you into those um, choose-your-own-adventure games back in the day, you're going to absolutely love these. Uh, and it's just basically cards that you flip over, you have the encounter, you roll these special, very cool-looking dice, and you've got to get out of there. The Dark Castle, probably just some kind of horrible, horrible castle. Maybe quite a low ceiling, you know, like when you go on a, uh, a holiday let down in Cornwall. And it seems like a good idea to go to a cottage and you're banging your head every five minutes. It's kind of that. Uh, and the dark sector, that but in space, just banging your head on loads of low-hanging, sprayed robot war-style gauze and metal pipes and stuff like that as well. Both very good. Check them out. Also, The Lost Expedition uh, from our lovely friends at Osprey Games, who are an amazing, again, British games company, make these gorgeous little... They're quite good portable game makers, I think, Osprey. They're the kind of games that you can put in your bag and take on a weekend break. But hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, we can flip and leave our houses at some point. Uh, the Lost Expedition, really interesting subject matter. Again, this is you can play it solo. I think up to three or four people, you're on the same team. Uh, it's Percy Fawcett, who sounds like something out of some others do have them. Uh, constantly wearing those kind of hooped khaki you know, shorts, getting themselves into trouble, and a lot of ooh misses to the camera. Anyway, Percy Fawcett, do you remember him? He went to the Amazon to try and find the lost city of El Dorado. It's about that. It's basically you dodging 
poisonous blow darts from unsettled um, natives, left, right and centre. Very good. Next section of little solo board games, I want to look at science fiction. Mentioned at the very uh, beginning of this little chat, I love a sci-fi game, I love a sci-fi film. Uh, and I think I've said previously on Board Game Thing, science fiction, for some reason, one of the hardest uh, genres to get other people to play. And I don't know why that is, because there's some great science fiction games out there, but trying to get someone to sit down and play Galactic Imperium-style games with you, they're not having it at all, so play it on your own. Uh, one of the finest science fiction uh, solo-able board games out there is Renegade by Richard Wilkins, a.k.a. Ricky Royal. He's a fantastic uh, YouTube kind of blogger guy who's brilliant at explaining board games. He was uh, instrumental in helping me understand uh, a load of games when I first started out. If you ever stuck on a board game, check out Ricky Royal. He's got loads of great videos there. He's got the most calming voice in the world, so he just talks you through how to play it. And there's almost like a... A slightly calming mindfulness vibe to it as well. Anyway, he's, he's made his own game. It's this cyberpunk-type game where you go into the mind of this master computer, this AI, a little bit like Blade Runner that's trying to control our minds. Fantastic card play, a little bit like Mage Knight that we mentioned earlier on. You've got to think two or three steps ahead. Uh, and the theme of it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a bit like Tron. It's the closest you can get to Tron uh, without having to put on one of them Lycra suits with uh, high-vis all over it. Check out Renegade. Very good. Uh, published by Victory Point Games. Have a little look at that one. Another great sci-fi game. Plays from one player right their way up to five, I think. It's one of my, one of my favourite games of all time. And it's as scary as hell, is Nemesis. Nemesis is essentially uh, the alien movie, but as a board game. You've been woken up from hyperspace, as you do. It's the start of any good sci-fi, isn't it? Getting woken up from hyperspace. Uh, hair everywhere. Uh, and then you just, you, you're just being hunted by these creatures that have crept onto your ship. Now, in the multiplayer game, there is an added element that does take Nemesis to the next level, uh, whereas you don't know whether everyone's on the same team or not. So there might be people trying to blow the ship up or want to change the, the, the destination of the ship or are trying to kill you. So it's got a, a potential traitor back behind-the-scenes mechanic to it. But when you play on your own, you, you play two or three characters, and then you're working against... Uh, these horrible, very, very scary alien figures. Uh, even scared, I was playing it the other night on my own, and it actually scared the bejesus out of me. I was sinking whiskies like they were going out of fashion. Uh, but you've got to try and get them off the ship and safely get into like a, a landing uh, pod or something like that. Just get the hell off the ship, get the hell out of there. But it's really, really good, really atmospheric as well. So check that one out, Nemesis made by Awaken Realms. And... Going back to uh, Osprey Games, who I mentioned a bit earlier on, uh, anyone else here a massive fan of the 2000 AD comics? I absolutely doted on those when I was growing up. Used to have a subscription for them at WH Smith's in Trowbridge, Trovegas. Back in the day, used to run down there, used to get uh, 2000 AD and the Transformers comic, run back home, sit there and read them, absolutely love them. Uh, and uh, Osprey have done a brilliant game called Judge Dread Helter Skelter, which is a kind of science fiction remake of a game that's been out for a while called Wildlands. Uh, and basically, it's all the great characters from 2000 AD facing off against each other. Card play on a map, plays really quickly, dead simple as well. Really, really good fun. Uh, so you can put a load of judges like Judge Dredd and Judge Anderson up against uh, the Strontium Dogs, that kind of thing. So it's really good. And there's also, talking of single player, solo player, the whole point of this chat, um, they've just released a thing called the Dark Judges, which is Judge Death, who's very scary. Although his figure in the uh, game looks a little bit like Jazz Hands. I've never had Judge Death 
Dan is doing jazz hands, but uh, hey, hey guys, surprise. I don't know how he, how he talks. Imagine something like that. Forget about it. Um, but it's fantastic. Uh, Osprey Games, check out Judge Dread, Helter Skelter, and the Dark Judges expansion. That's sci-fi for you. For me, uh, one of the games publishers that is head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of their commitment to the cause, their support of people who can sometimes be a bit antisocial and want to play a board game on their own rather than, I don't know, get fed up at someone else looking at their phone all the time, is Chip Theory Games. And let me just expand on that a little bit. That, for me, is the key, right? That's why I find sometimes playing as a group so uh, stressful sometimes, right? Firstly, you've got to explain the game. That's a nightmare. I've talked about that on the uh, podcast before. In fact, if you get Senate Magazine, I think the next one is out in a couple of weeks, the brilliant board gaming uh, journal, uh, Senate Magazine, uh, that uh, I've written an article in in the latest episode about the terror of explaining a board game. It's just horrendous. Like it's almost like you've you've uh, something like paranormal has happened to you, and you're trying to explain, and no one believes you. You know, like an American kid trying to explain something like Close Encounters of the Third Kind to some very doubting, skeptical, not listening properly because they're reading the paper parents at breakfast. That's what explaining a board game is like. So that you've got that to get over. Then you've got to get everyone together anyway before you even start explaining the damn thing. Then you hope that they like it, and then you've got this horrible thing. And I always this always kills me a bit when you're playing a game, is when someone starts looking at their phone during it, you're thinking, oh, no, are they bored? Solo board games, you don't have to worry about any of that. And that's why it's so liberating. Chip Theory Games, an American company, absolutely fantastic. They've come up with some brilliant games that obviously play you know, with a group, but I think they probably play better on their own. Uh, the Cloud Spire, I've got that in the corner of the room right now. That's an absolutely gorgeous game. What makes Chip Theory games different to anybody else is that all of their games, the um, tokens are poker chips. And there's just something really nice about poker chips. I mean, I've never really played poker properly. I've been to Vegas a couple of times, didn't really know what I was doing. Just trying to stay on tables as long as possible and drink. Uh, but the, the, you can't beat that feeling of, you know, when you, you have a stack of poker chips you pick them up and then let them drop back again. There's something Casino Royale, Bond villain-like about the whole thing. And uh, Chip Theory Games have that in spades. So have a little look at their games. It's quite hard to get hold of them, I'll be honest with you. You're not going to find these on, on Zatu's website. Uh, but they do have like a European distribution. So if you search for Chip Theory Games, games like Cloudspire, which is a board game version. Have you know those tower defense games you can get on your phone or you can get on a, on, on a computer? You set up these little points... They've got these wild and wonderful creatures, really bright and colourful, and then basically your units kind of march towards each other and uh, try their best to break down each other's fortress walls. It's like a, a computer game, but on a board game version, another modular board. It's the phrase of the podcast, uh, but check it out. Very good. Quite expensive, very heavy, but very, very good. Hoplomarchus uh, is like a Roman gladiator game, again with strange creatures, again with beautiful poker chips. Uh, fight off against each other or fight if you're on your own these amazing uh, big solo beasts that are the kings of the Colosseum. some fantastic stuff in that as well uh, too many bones is one of my favorite games of all time my eldest daughter erin who's going to be 11 very very soon her favorite game of all time uh, this time we've got the poker chips we've got dice hundreds of different dice for each particular character and it, it follows the story of these little creatures who are a bit like gremlins called gearlocks going out into this weird wide world on adventures and trying to take down monsters very cool very different game i've never seen anything like it check out chip theory games they're good other notable mention uh, these guys got me into board games proper 
I think, back in the day. And that is uh, GMT Games. They're an American games publisher. They normally publish historical games. I'm a big history buff. I love, for me, getting into an area of history that I might have a board game about, listening to audiobooks about it. Because I do, and I I mentioned this before, we, we talked about this on our episode about learning history through games uh, being able to put yourself in the situation of the people who are making those decisions at that time is it, it, uh, uh, the best way of, of learning about a type of history, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you can read about it, you can passively consume it, but what if you were put into their shoes and thinking to yourself, right, what, what would I have done in this situation? That's why I think the games made by GMT Games, uh, particularly the Coin series, Coin as in C-O-I-N, not flipping a coin, heads or tails, as Counterinsurgency series. I know this sounds a bit kind of... Uh, Full on, but they are great games. Uh, started by a, a lovely chap called Volko Runke, another cracking name, ex CIA analyst, uh, decided to quit that and start making board games based on his experiences of of world history and what he'd seen. And he's just created this amazing um, counterinsurgency series of games called the Coin Series. Hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. Uh, basically, anything in history where you've had this kind of state or power or oppressive power trying to hold on to their uh, dominance against an insurgency or a revolution, then that's the basis for one of these games. So they've got uh, Colombia with the Andean Abyss. Uh, it's called uh, Cuba Libra, which is the Cuban Revolution. You get to be Che Guevara and stuff like that. Very, very cool. Fire in the Lake, which is my favourite of the whole series, which is about the uh, war in Vietnam. Pendragon, the fall of Roman Britain. So you know, one player is the Romans uh, are hanging in there whilst the Vikings are just pouring in, the Scotty from up in Scotland and Wales, battering them and stuff like that. And again, all these games are geared towards solo play as well. So you've got this fantastic flow chart. I've never heard those two words uh, adjacent to each other before, combined, fantastic flow chart. But it's like an, an AI, an artificial intelligence. You, you just follow these little yes-no questions and before you know it, the game is playing against you, and it's an incredibly tough opponent, really, really hard to win. Uh, also, Volker Runke uh, designed and created one of, one of the greatest solo play uh, board games, I think, of all time, uh, Labyrinth, The War on Terror. We mentioned this in the history episode, but if you like TV, Netflix, things uh, about you know how the world is dealing with terrorism and you know West Wing and politics and all that kind of stuff, War on Terror is great in that it's this post 9-11 how America has attempted to counter terrorists and you're playing across this world map uh, again a brilliant uh, artificial intelligence playing against you very good sounds a bit weird just just trust me on it give it a look up Labyrinth War on Terror by GMT Games who doesn't love uh, scaring the bejesus out of themselves that's why just a quick mention of some great horror games that you might want to have a little look at um Fantasy Flight Games who are a big American behemoth of a, a games production company uh, they have got some great uh, horror games out there, proper scary, scary games. Arkham Horror, based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft, is huge. It was, it was one of the first um, like, more complicated board games that I bought back in the day. I remember setting it up on our table in Bristol and just thinking, oh my God, what have I got myself into here? This is huge. And if you're used to kind of small board games, this is like, they call it a table hog. Uh, which is just, it, it is, a, it's a massive game, Arkham Horror. I think it's in its third edition now, but and they keep refining it each time. But if you're familiar with the works of H.P. Lovecraft, he's a little bit of like a, a ghost and a supernatural writer along the, our, our version of him over here a little bit is kind of M.R. James, but weird 1950s things that go bump in the night, cults and darkness and cobbles and fog. It's a little bit of Sherlock Holmesy kind of stuff in there as well. 
Very, very cool. Very, very atmospheric as well. And if you're sitting there with like, you know, like I've been doing over Christmas, sitting there with like a scotch, playing a game like that, it's fantastic. It's the ultimate way to relax. Yeah, you could be sitting there watching Mrs. Brown's Boys, but sometimes you want something a little bit different. So Arkham Horror is the board game version of it. They've also got this other thing out, uh, Fancy Flight Games, um, which has got hundreds, a mind-boggling amount of expansions called the Arkham Horror Living Card Game. You might be asking yourself, what the hell is a living card game? A living card game is a card game that they keep adding bits to all the time. So you can constantly get new sets and new decks. Marvel Hero, Marvel Champions, sorry, is an example of that, which is a little bit like Arkham Horror, but they've done it for the Marvel Universe. So you, you fight off against a baddie together. So you can play on the same team. A lot of cooperative games work well as solo games. You just take on more than one character. And that's exactly how it works with the Arkham Horror living card game. But it's very cool. It's got a beautiful Art Deco style and looks great as well. It's one of those games that, you know, we talked earlier on about um, the big fear is is getting a game out there and putting it out and someone thinking, I'm not playing that. <laughs> Arkham Horror, the living card game, overcomes that initial scepticism by other people because it is so damn gorgeous. So have a little look at that made by Fantasy Flight Games. Arkham Horror Living Card Games. And if you want to take it to the next level, uh, they have also done a game, which is, again, hugely H.P. Lovecraft-inspired, called Mansions of Madness. This has been around for a long time. And this is one of these new games now, uh, which is uh, it's paired up with an app, which has been, you probably think to yourself, well, the whole point of board games is to not be on your phone. And I kind of agree with that. But if you're playing on your own, I think you play as a group as well, you can play against the app. The app controls all the baddies in the game. So you never quite know what's going to happen. And this makes it such a quicker game to, to play. Mansions of Madness is basically uh, 1920s, roaring 20s, driving around in a car, solving weird uh, supernatural events in on the east coast of America. And you, you'll go into these houses and the tiles are revealed one by one. So you never quite know how the house is going to develop. And there's kind of creepy kitchens and basements. And it's almost like the Amateurville horror, that kind of thing. But the baddies, the beasts, the things that go bump in the night, all controlled by a very ingenious app as well. So have a little look at that. That is Mansions of Madness, again, by Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, and also just um, one to go back to the science fiction uh, uh, thing I was just talking about earlier on. Another game that I've been playing nonstop since I got it, and I want to hugely recommend it. And if you follow me on, on Instagram, Andy Bush Radio, um, it was my birthday on the 20th. Thank you very much. What a terrible uh, day in the calendar year to have a birthday and that everything's merged into one. However, uh, there are always good films out on my birthday from even back in the day. I remember going to watch Labyrinth when I was a kid with my friends. David Bowie and tights, that kind of thing. Uh, but there's a game out called Dune Imperium. I think it was probably time to coincide with the release of the new version of the Dune movie. Remember, the, the classic one by David Lynch is what I watched on my birthday the other night. I still love that film. I know there's loads of flaws in it, and it's not as good as the book. But I love David Lynch's uh, vision of the Dune world. Um, it's fantastic, based on the Frank Herbert book. But um, Dune Imperium, I think, was due to come out. The, 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 uh, the, the movie, I think it was due to come out now. Uh, but they've had to pause its recording and filming because of, obviously, all this madness that's going on at the moment. So uh, Dune Imperium is really cool, really, really good. Another game that you can use an app. You can play on your own, and it's incredibly tough. It's like playing against a chess computer. Uh, this app makes decisions on behalf of this kind of other faction that you're playing against. And uh, if you like science fiction, if you like the book Dune and you want a bit more of it, and there's, there's, a, there's been a couple of Dune games come out over the years, but I think this is one of the best. So a, a quick notable mention for uh, Dune Imperium. 
uh, have a little look at that, just to add that into the science fiction bit from earlier on. Uh, one final section just to, to tack on at the end here, and that's sports board games. Uh, there are loads of great sports board games out there that never get a look in. It's really, really weird. There's something about um, sports games that they just don't chart as high as anything else. And I mean, I love my football. I love American football, love baseball. And there's some brilliant, soloable, one-player baseball, football games out there that I just sort of give you a quick mention for. Um, have a little look. If, you are, if you're in America, this is great for you. Quid's in. If you're here in the UK, they do ship it over to, uh, over to, over to us here. There's a bit of a hefty kind of... Uh, duties charge on the end when it arrives but you know that that's just the price you pay for an amazing game sometimes play.com p-l-a-a-y.com they're a us-based games company that make sports simulation board games and they've got everything there they've got a wrestling game called face to the map wrestling which is i've been playing it with my eldest daughter it's really cool you create your own little wrestling federation dead simple Really, really kind of uh, creative and gets your, your brain and your imagination firing. It's fantastic. They do a game called Second Season Football, which is a simulation of American football. Absolutely great. You can buy season updates with all the current players and stuff on it as well, or fantasy leagues as well. And then they also do a thing called History Maker Baseball, which is, uh, again, a baseball simulation. So very calming. So if you want to sit there, and uh, there's something about scoring a baseball game. This is probably the most nerdy thing you'll probably hear anyone ever say. But there's something about writing down the score of a baseball game and its weird terminology and kind of hieroglyphics that I just find it really satisfying. So you can you can play a board game, play a baseball game against the AI opponent. It's the turn of cards and the roll of dice, and you look up these charts and stuff like that. And there's something in the kind of you know American sports are all about uh, statistics and charts and uh, record keeping and all that kind of thing. And it is fantastic. So. Have a little look at those. Uh, so I feel like I've fired hundreds and hundreds of different games that you hear. Uh, if you follow us on on Instagram, uh, at BoardGameThink, I'll post up this list of these games. I- I'm talking, you know, 20 miles an hour here because I'm so passionate about uh, solo board gaming. I think it's a fantastic, uh, huge asset to have in your armory if sometimes life can be brilliant, sometimes life can be awful. And uh, when you get thrown on a, like a bit of a stinker, a bit of a curveball, just to go back to the baseball thing from a minute ago, I think if you're able to just take yourself off and have a bit of your own calm time, I just think it's so, so beneficial. So do me a favour, try out some of these games, let me know what you think, get in touch with us on the uh, Board Game Thing Insta page. A lot of these are on Zatu's website as well. They've been doing a sale since Boxing Day, so now's the time to load up. Uh, check it out on Zatu Games. Have a brilliant festive period. I'll be back next week with the top 20 games from Zatu's website. But until then, uh, love you lots. Take care. Take care.